Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Folks, we'll continue our discussion on marijuana legalization. Joining us today is Kevin Caldwell, Southeast Legislative Manager for the Marijuana Policy Project. Kevin, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Noel. Always a pleasure to be on WWL. Kevin, uh, we had Dr. Kevin Sabet on uh, the, the show the other day talking about the dangers of uh, today's marijuana. Obviously, uh, your age, your organization kind of takes a different view and a different approach. Well, um, I'd like to first of all talk about some of the things that we have in common with Dr. Sabet. And, okay. uh, you know, he had a very nuanced view of the um, the Controlled Substances Act. I very much appreciated and enjoyed listening to that. Um, and it's right. It was a major improvement uh, over the Boggs laws that were in effect before that, which led to the Supreme Court overturning cannabis prohibition in late 1969. That case was uh, Leary uh, versus United States of America. And I respect where smart approaches to marijuana comes from keeping wanting to keep cannabis out of the hands of children. Now that is where we kind of veer off on the best methodology to do that. And I think that we can agree that the current uh, prohibition model has been an utter failure um, in keeping cannabis out of the hands of children. Um, the Marijuana Policy Project believes that a tightly regulated marketplace would be a much more effective method of keeping cannabis out of the hands of people under 21. And uh, CDC studies have shown that in legalization states, not only does underage cannabis 
use not increase, but that there is a slight decrease. So, um, you know, there, there's well, many that, things, that is, many Kevin, nuances that, to these policies. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you there because I, I, I looked at some of the most recent stuff that was uh, released by the Colorado health officials, and they say to the contrary of what's happening with underage use in Colorado. Okay. Well, um, we have. Uh, I mean, have, have you looked at those? Have you looked SAMHSA, at those recent studies? Have you? Yes. Have you looked at that most recent data out of out of Colorado? And there's similar data out of Washington State as well. Well, the CDC has uh, particularly modeled the fact that um, uh, youth inc- youth use. I'm sorry, youth usage. Uh, decreased after legalization, but I am not familiar with the study that you are referencing, sir. Okay. Just just curious, but it, go ahead. Um, I just, it's, I mean, would you agree with me that the current method of prohibition has been a failure? Or do you, or do you well, find pro, it? Do you, pro, do you prohibition, find it prohibition. Prohibition in and of itself uh, in a vacuum is, is not, um, you know, it, it, it's not. It, it's a single shot, and it, it in and on its own does it is not going to work. No, so I, I would agree there with you. Uh, that's not the present approach that we have at the present time, and we can argue over whether or not, you know, we're spending enough on one side of the balance sheet or the other. Uh, but I'm not necessarily on board with that legalization is the panacea and, and is really able, the marketplace is able to restrict um, the consumption side as, or the demand side uh, by age appropriateness. Because to the contrary, we have seen in every legalization state the illegal or illicit market go up. Because we do such a great job of taxing this product because we all believe that the taxation on marijuana is going to bring us to the promised land. And it's going to improve infrastructure, improve our schools, health care, and all of these other things. Uh, And that's not happened in Colorado. It's not happened in Washington. It's not happening in California. And, in fact, in each one of the legalization states that have been there for at least three to five years have had more counties come off of legalizing marijuana in their county as opposed to counties coming on uh, and voting to to opt opt in because because you know that these states, for the most part, are opt-in or opt-out states. So in Colorado, more than half the counties, it's not legal to cultivate and sell. I would like to... What I believe you're referring to is allowing commercial sales within those counties. Personal possession sure. um, in those uh, counties is still very much legal. It's just the sale. Sure, it's um, the sale. And you yeah. know, Doctor Doctor Sabet mentioned last week about well. The, the uh, important thing about that. Wait, 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 wait one second, oh, though, Kevin. I don't want to get sidetracked here. But the important sure. thing about that is you you said the market. So I, I was assuming you were talking about retail sales, not personal well, there are possession. Many different, oh, I'm, I apologize. There's okay. many different approaches you can have towards legalization. Uh, the failure of the federal government to substantially change 
their cannabis policies has led to the way that we've been we've created this patchwork of of state to state uh, regulation. And we're now up to 24 states, um, including very conservative states: Missouri, Ohio, Montana, Alaska. Um, all these states have legalized cannabis over the last decade. Um, but I mean, for example, today. But we're, we're still talking about. Um, how we do, how we have done things so far in the United States. Uh, I would like to congratulate the country of Germany, which ended their prohibition today. Um, the Bugenstag, I believe, is how you pronounce their parliament, uh, passed that today. They are taking a different approach than we are. Um, the Canadians have taken a different approach uh, than we have. Um, but we're now in a situation where over half the people in the United States, 24 states, have legalized the regulation and possession of, uh, of cannabis. And so at a certain point, the federal government is going to have to move um, on this. And particularly when we look at conservative values, um, the Tenth Amendment and, you know, and, the states are the laboratories of democracy, and we look at uh, uh, the, the, the States Act that was just reintroduced, and that was by Representative David Joyce out of uh, Republican, out of um, Ohio, Nancy Mace out of Stanton, uh, out of South uh, South Carolina. They, there really is a lot of conservative movement on changing federal cannabis policy and allowing states to pursue the, uh, the, the methodology or how they want to go about with dealing with this. And I wholeheartedly respect that. Um, I respect, you know, uh, Speaker Johnson has written uh, quite a lot about what he considers his seven core principles of conservatism. And that's individual freedom, limited government, rule of law, peace through strength, fiscal real, uh, responsibility, free markets, and human dignity. And uh, it is very hard for me. But you, you would you would agree that you would agree that among amongst those principles that there is potentially conflict, right? So historically, oh, in this country, you would agree that marijuana is a drug. Can we agree on that? Uh, it is a psychoactive substance, so yes, I will concur with that assessment. I mean, you would I also agree that in this country, that in this country, we establish. You would also agree. Alcohol is drugs, so yes, uh, on, on that, yes, I, I can concur. But you would also you would also agree that uh, drugs, um, you know, in this country, have been governed by um, rules as established by the Food and Drug Administration. So right now what we have is a conflict between states' rights and passages of what is going to be the commercialization of this drug that circumvents a process that all other drugs have had to go through in proving themselves as it relates to the, the, the danger and the threat to the general public uh, through the FDA, but not this drug. And well, so I, I mean, often... I- I often ask my folks, question, why, why is that? that? Why, 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 well, is, you why is should we treat marijuana is, differently? Is tobacco and alcohol um, uh, going through the same process that you're recommending? And those are very much recognized as drugs. Well, the, those, but those are not early, those are not new onset substances. Those are substances that have been legalized 
you know, and, and have embedded in the culture of this country from 100 years ago. And, but, you yeah, know, so. Cannabis has been so, a part of culture in the greater New Orleans area for over 100 years as well. Yeah, but it wasn't legalized. And, you know, um, so. It was, the, the, not, it was not illegalized until the 1920s. The night, exactly. I just said 100 years, right? So, okay. I mean. You know, so, you know, the, the, re, the reality here, though, is, is that we're trying to circumvent a process that's been applied to all others. Now, many of the folks that believe what you believe, believe that cocaine and heroin and, and fentanyl and cartenafil and the rest of these substances should not have to go through this process either and that they should be able to avail themselves of those substances when and when and how they want. Um, you know, and, you know, say if you go to that extreme of what people uh, want to consider, you know, their personal freedoms and liberties that, that they have. But unfortunately, in this constitutional republic, uh, you know, to, to that way of thinking, that's not how we govern ourselves. No, so I would just I, like I, to I clarify what, that myself I, I, nor my organization has ever uh, I didn't. I didn't say you. I did not. I did okay. not say you because I know to the contrary that y'all don't take that position. But I said there are those yeah, cool. that do. You. Um, you know. So I, I mean, I I get what you're saying, um, but you know, part of the issue here is, and, and when we when we quote these countries, what's the limit of THC that's been approved in Germany? Uh, in Germany, for I mean, obviously, Europe has a different approach towards adulthood. So, under the law that would approve today, uh, uh, people 18 to 21 could only uh, get uh, cannabis that is capped at 10 percent. There is no potency cap for cannabis in its raw form for people over 21. But with the way that this bill, as I have read it. Uh, states is that if you would want concentrates, like for example, uh, in uh, in the form of uh, vape pens um, or things like that, that you would still have to get those um, through the medical program. So what they've legalized is the adult uh, is the personal growing and including social clubs. In other words, so you may have fifteen or twenty five people that uh, um, uh, grow their cannabis together. Um, but yes or no, the potency caps are just for people from uh, 18 to 21. But is there a prohibition on genetically altering cannabis? Because I know that was uh, a consideration. I do not believe that was accepted, and uh, I don't think okay. they could actually come to agreement on what was genetically modified because uh, the same way that if you're uh, – you know, dealing with, say, tulips, for example, um, you may want to crossbreed two different versions of tulips to create a special kind of tulip. Is it, You know, it, could that be construed as genetic modification? Uh, right. So. But, uh, so, you know, so you so what what is the bottom line for you guys is y'all, your organization believes that uh Legalization, commercialization uh, is better uh, in, 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 in handling it through the free marketplace than in any other fashion. Um, I, w- I don't believe necessarily in a completely free market approach because then you would have maybe something similar to what's going on with the medical program in Oklahoma. Uh, where you have uh, 
roughly, I think last count was 900 growers and 3,000 uh, dispensaries for a population about, about the same size as Louisiana, a little over 4 million. Um, but, uh, so it, yes, it, should be restri- that- it should be restricted to who? Uh, big pharma? Big alcohol? Uh, no. Big, big, no, we, uh, no, we would prefer big to tobacco. See, uh, no, we would actually really prefer to see uh, more opportunities for uh, for for smaller business to participate in this. You know, we we talk, so, you talk so about, so you're of the belief that. that this this should be a cottage industry, the you know, made up of mom and pop shops that that uh, the oh, government should come in and restrict the restrict the number the of acres of, of cultivation. I think the reality of the way that legalization has occurred so far in the 24 states uh, kind of uh, inhibits the true mom and pop stores. Because, for, for example, if you yeah, look at because we always started, we always knew that that's what happened in tobacco. That's what happened to alcohol. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, you know, and and, you know, Dr. Sabat mentioned that last week um, sure. with the way that big tobacco came back in and i think we should be looking at the example of what big tobacco did during the 60s and 70s and how we dealt with it as a health issue we had a very robust education program and we have seen for example tobacco use dwindle um from you know what was it just in the early 70s i believe it was about half the population uh consumed tobacco and now um that that number i think is 13, 14 percent. Um, right. And I mean, that was done to a realistic, smart, health based approach and educating particularly the young on the dangers of what tobacco had and the dangers of uh, addiction to tobacco. And so that is a success story of how a health based approach towards regulating a product that yes does have downsides to it what concerns do you have about this that there's no downside to cannabis i just believe that uh uh through uh, a regulated marketplace we can better deal with the societal costs with that and under the current system that we're doing you know we still are seeing like for example uh it's the the government estimates that uh Basically, 12.8% of uh, adults over 21 in Louisiana have consumed a cannabis product in the last month. We should actually be happy because that puts us at the bottom third of the country for adults using cannabis. Um, but so we have, we'll just say roughly 430,000 cannabis, adult cannabis consumers in Louisiana. So whatever societal costs that cannabis use is creating for our community, we are already uh, incurring those costs. And whereas the taxation of cannabis may not be the silver bullet, that you're right, sir, some advocates say that this is going to save the state. No, but what it could do is help the state recoup some of the costs that it's already incurring for uh, this product being used widely uh, in our community already. But, but many folks believe we don't even break even, so why take the risk? Well, sir, we're already incurring those costs. So um, 
we yeah, if, you, even you, if we so admit you're, never, you're the mindset are you of the mindset that legalization would not increase the number of consumers i um you know i don't know i think we've seen in other states a small bump um but no sir i don't think i mean for example if louisiana was to ever uh, uh, adopt an adult use program, it would undoubtedly still allow businesses to make their own decisions on whether or not their employees could consume. Um, And when we look at the number of safety-sensitive positions in our state, I think there's still a a lot of people that would not be able to consume. Um, But but you mean consume while at work? Well, I'm just, well, the sad thing is, is that you could consume on Saturday and you would still test positive via a year analysis 28 days later. Yeah, so, I, I, uh, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, and that's and, part and of the challenge. Know, we have never advocated That's also for, part uh, of the challenge of being, you know, under the influence of the drug while driving. I mean, it's a, it's a big challenge. It's different than alcohol. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and uh, tobacco Although it has all kinds of other health effects, it, it doesn't have an impairment um, side effect, you know, relative to driving or otherwise. So um, it, it's unique in, in many different fashions. Um, Kevin, I will have you on again because there's so much to talk about on, on, on sure, this issue. Sure. And I, I always appreciate your approach, and, and I always appreciate the discussion um, with you guys Um and um, I just wanted the listening audience to know that you did reach out to me uh, after I had Dr. Kevin Sabet on and made sure that I gave you the opportunity to come on uh, as well. And this this conversation will continue. I, I suspect, Kevin, are you? do you know whether or not someone's going to be introducing a bill this legislative session to legalize again? Yes. Uh, Representative Candace Newell has already uh, put in HB 54 um, right. for uh for regulating the adult use. But, sir, thank you for the opportunity for having me on. I always appreciate uh, being on WWL, and I appreciate you giving me uh, um, the time in response to Dr. Sabat. It's very much appreciated, sir. Anytime, my friend. Uh, Kevin Caldwell, Southeast Legislative Manager, Marijuana Policy Project. We will be right back, folks. Stay with us. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back, folks. We're joined by Jim LaCour, Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, State Wildlife uh, veteran, uh, Veterinarian. Excuse me. We're talking about feral hogs. We moved from marijuana to feral hogs now, Jim. <laughs> well, if, if, you get a, if you get a good uh, appetite, you'll have some pork to eat then, right? There, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> currently, at, currently, estimates are in excess of 700,000 feral hogs throughout the state of Louisiana, and they are found in all 64 parishes. How would you describe where we are? Is, is this a crisis? Where are we? Well, this is uh, it, similar to, you know, putting a frog in a pan of water and turning on the fire. We're, we're all getting used to it. Uh, it doesn't make it any easier. There are... Um, you know, a lot of people suffering from it. Farmers, of course, are, are taking a huge impact. The uh, the LSU Ag Center did a study in 2022 and estimated Louisiana row crop farmers are losing $91 million a year to feral hog damage. Uh, of course, you have uh, landscaping that's torn up, golf courses, um, cemeteries, other you know municipal areas that are torn up as well as just private property. And, and uh, of course, it, it costs money to fix the damage from these hogs. So everybody's suffering from them. And the, there, there has been kind of a transition, right? I mean, the genetics of these hogs are changing. I mean, I've read some articles in some states are talking about, like, super hogs. I mean, it's what, what's going well, on here? Yeah, that's uh, there was a popular press article about pigs in Canada uh, and crossing the borders, and, and it's a little bit different. So um, we have uh, hogs that are sort of an amalgamation. Uh, they are hogs, some that have been free living, you know, for gener- many generations. There are um, escaped or released uh, domestic pigs. You know, back in the day, it was commonplace to. Uh, mark your pigs, you notch their ears and turn them out. The old saying was root hog or die. And uh, they went and made a living and you kept feeding them a little and, and you'd you know, harvest a pig or sell one to the stockyard if you needed some money. Well, some of those just left and, and merged with these other wild hogs. And then you have a whole different beast, the, the Russian or Eurasian wild boar, which is a completely different breed, it's still Suscrofa, the same genus and species. It's just a, a different look of hog. They've got long noses, silver tip hair, and, and they get bigger and are more aggressive. And those were actually brought to North America um, mostly for, for pen uh, hog hunts. So they put them in the pens, and of course, pigs escape from pens. And so what we're left with is a, a kind of a, a crossbred wild pig that has some domestic pig in it, some wild boar in it, and some just free-ranging hog in it. So they are just, they're omnivores. They eat anything that has a calorie in it. Uh, They are uh, made to survive. They're in the the coldest of environments. They are in the deserts. They're in marshes. They're in upland habitat. Uh, They can make a living anywhere. And, uh, and And they have a very high reproductive rate as well. So that makes them just the ultimate uh, large mammal nuisance animal, basically. 
talk to us about the reproductive rate. How challenging is that? It's very challenging, and that's actually the uh, the problematic aspect of them. If you look at a deer, they have you know a fawn or two a year. Um, these pigs uh, start breeding, some of them even before six months of age, but generally six to eight months of age. Uh, they average six piglets per litter. Um, and as they say, of those six piglets, eight of them survive. So they, uh, they, they do very well with reproduction. They can have two, two litters per year. Um, and certainly older sows may have many, many more piglets. We've seen up to 15 piglets in a sow. So they are quite capable of, of exponential reproduction, and and that's what makes control efforts uh, so difficult. Um, you know, statisticians have crunched the numbers and said in a population, you basically need to remove around 70, 75 percent of the hogs annually to keep the same numbers. So if you have 100 pigs on your property, you need to remove 70 or 75 of them to have 100 pigs next year because of the high reproductive rate. So our control efforts, people hunting them, shooting them, trapping them, are necessary. Um, but you know, I tell people, you know, it's sort of like bailing a boat with a hole in it. You have to do it, uh, otherwise you sink. But you're really never getting anywhere. Is this how similar is this to the challenge that we had with Nutria? Well, it's similar but different. Um, the Nutria and the uh, feral hogs are both invasive species. Um, neither one is native to North America. So DeSoto brought the first pigs here when he came exploring, and that's where a problem started. Uh, Nutria, of course, were, were brought up from uh, Central and South America. Um, the, the big difference there and in, in where we see that is when you start talking about bounties and things like that. Um, Nutria have no domestic alternatives. Feral hogs or wild pigs, if you prefer, um, have a domestic counterpart that has all the same body parts of the same genus and species. The pretty floppy-eared pink pig you see at the fair is the same genus and species. So if you have tail bounties, for instance, and that's been tried, you know, people turned in domestic pig tails for bounties. And so um, that, is, that is somewhat problematic. Um, we also have um, commercial production of domestic pigs, obviously. Everybody likes their pork, their bacon, and their, their tenderloins and what have you. Um, so we have a lot of disease worry uh, about diseases that are have been eradicated in domestic pigs being reintroduced by feral hogs, which have all of these diseases still. Yeah, in fact, I just got a text. Uh, hogs can make a living off a of concrete pasture. <laughs> that's right that's right and get fat on it don't forget that they'll get fat on it so yeah so what what is the answer here is it just more proactive eradication more proactive hunting of these animals sure the uh you know and, and until we get other methods newer methods uh, at this point we can shoot and track that's basically it and for small properties we get a lot of calls from you know, small property owners um, that are having pig damage. And and probably the, the best thing for those guys, unfortunately, is to fence their property. Because if you don't have large areas of land where you can do pig control, 
you can't keep them off. If you've got 10 acres and the pigs are tearing it up and you catch a few pigs or shoot a few pigs, they're just going to come right back in from the adjacent property. For, so for smaller properties, fencing is probably the best thing you can do. Uh, trapping, we, we like to recommend whole sounder. So a, a, a herd of pigs, if you will, is called a sounder. And uh, if, you, if you go to, uh, to play uh, trivia one day, that might come in handy, that word. But uh, yep. Yep. So we, we try to uh, ask people to do whole sounder trapping. So keep baiting the hogs until all of them go into the trap and then drop the gate on the trap because if you, they're very, very smart animals. And if they see their, their babies or their siblings get trapped, the chance of getting them in a trap later on is pretty slim. But, you know, in, intelligent trapping, trying to catch as many hogs as possible, combined with um, some night shooting and whatnot, um, day shooting, as you will, uh, is, can help control the animals in the environment. But if you can't control very, very large properties, once again, they filter right back in. So it's, it's just a never-ending battle. Now, there is a challenge, though, if you do take uh... – these hogs uh, and you want to uh, cook them they're edible right uh, but they carry certain diseases that could be a problem that's right yes so uh, once again compared to domestic pigs which have are now raised a lot of them in confinement they're disease free from many of these diseases they're communicable to humans uh, feral hogs still carry some diseases um most notably swine brucellosis and trichinosis, which are contagious to humans. And um, so the swine brucellosis can be um, contagious to humans if you cut yourself while you're cleaning one of these pigs that has it. Uh, if you get the, any of the bodily fluids in your eyes or your mouth, or if you eat undercooked pork, uh, feral pork. And, and so we consider 165 degrees Fahrenheit a safe temperature to cook this meat to, and, and that will kill the trichinosis as well. Uh, we do recommend when people clean wild pigs, feral hogs, that they wear rubber gloves, preferably some sort of eye protection, glasses, and don't eat or drink or use tobacco products while you're cleaning them. Because if you get blood on your, your glass or on your cigarette and you bring it to your mouth, you can contract these diseases like that. So uh, we, we do recommend safety precautions for those who are going to consume the, the wild pigs. So wearing of rubber gloves, protective eyewear, and, and another warning you say is do not eat, drink, or use tobacco products when handling raw, feral pork. And I guess Correct. that's because you can transfer more easily, right? Right. It just, you, you get it. You get it on either the cigarette or the you know the tobacco if you're dipping, or on your glass or your your pan, whatever. And it'll run down to your lips and get into your mouth that way. So. And then also wash all coolers and utensils with hot soapy water and bleach uh, in the aftermath of utilizing uh, those things for storage as well as the cleaning of of the pig and the hog. That's correct. Yes, sir. Um, I know y'all are tracking this. I mean, how many hogs are we taking out of the? Are we harvesting every year? Last year, uh, we got uh, the hunters. Now uh, harvested three hundred ninety-three thousand, according wow. to our um, according to our survey. We have a, a hunter harvest survey that's been in place since the seventies, 
the, the feral hogs were added to that survey back in the early 2000s. And, um, and we see we're averaging somewhere around there these days. The, the first year of COVID, actually, um, the survey showed that hunters killed 650,000 hogs. And, uh, of course, people were not at work. They were at their camps. They had time. And, and that in, in resulted in an increase. Looking for something to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and actually, you know, our numbers now, based, our, our estimate of population is based on the harvest. And so now with these newer numbers, we're thinking our population is actually closer to a million hogs uh, in the state. Wow. So, and, and the hog harvest is far exceeding uh, whitetail deer harvest these days. So, yeah, there's, there's plenty of them out there still. Well, we'll check in with you periodically to see where we are. If I, I guess if I, it's fun to go shoot hogs. I've, I do it every year. Um, it's they're getting smarter and smarter, though. I don't. You don't see them. I, I don't. I, I guess you got to get it uh, at nighttime. I don't see them as much during the day as I as I once did. Uh, right. So, well, uh, they uh, are very smart animals, and when they have pressure, they will go nocturnal very rapidly. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Truly appreciate it, Jim Lacour, Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, State Wildlife veterinarian we'll be right back folks 504-260-1870 on the oakland heart jewelers talk and text line stay with us celebrate and save at ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys your choice of color starting at just 3.99 ashley sleep mattresses starting at 250 plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like stearns and foster temper pedic purple and beauty rest black with 60 month special financing only at ashley subject to credit approval no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. So the uh, concealed handgun, uh, concealed carry bill is moving to the House now. Uh, lawsuits have been filed that they're not giving opponents to some of the bills enough time to be able to uh, opine as to their feelings um, on some of the bills that are going through. This is very much... Uh, becoming a little bit of a circus of what's going on in the legislature right now. Um, people are frustrated, um, you know, and and it all goes, I think, to respect for the opposing point of view and opinion and how you go about handling this. Uh, it's why a lot of folks said that the, these uh, measures would have been better considered in a regular session as opposed to a special session. You don't have all the uh, extraordinary time constraints that you have uh, like you do with a, a special session, although this one is actually a, a fairly long uh, session in, in moving these bills uh, through. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going to ultimately come of a, a lot of this uh, push and pull tug of war that's going on in, in Baton Rouge on so many different fronts. And we'll continue to report out on what's going on with the concealed carry bill. We heard from the chief today and Kirkpatrick and her feelings. And we heard from Sheriff Joe Lapinto the other day and his, his feelings. We've heard from uh, the FOP and a number of others that have been reported in the, in the paper about their feelings. And, and it all comes down to the challenges from a law enforcement perspective. Um, I'm not sure that anyone in the state legislature is hearing um, the concerns at this uh, present time. So we'll see. We'll report out. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
we return after the top of the hour news break, we'll visit with Tan Trung, WWL multimedia journalist. A new nonprofit newsroom carves out a niche in the NOLA market. Whether it's print, radio, TV, or digital newsroom across the nation, they all are shrinking. Stay tuned. We'll talk more about that with Tan Trung. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 